0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply need to hire. You need indeed.
1: Hey guys, this is Stephen Hagelin, the host of the guilty of charge podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and supporting the show. As always, we do appreciate any ratings, reviews, likes, subscribes, comments, on any podcast platform, including YouTube. And I want to start today off by giving a shout out to one of our sponsors, the Backroom Collection. You can find him Twitter at the Backroom C O L two. Again, that's the Backroom C O L two. he has been putting out some fire chargers prints. And I think any football fan should check him out and be able to upgrade their man cave, their workout, you know, situation, their home office, their actual office. Check him out online, TheBackroomCollection.net. collection.net. If you use the code GAC, that's G-A-C, on your first purchase, you get 10% off. He is even going to be able to attend a Justin Herbert signing. He's got a bunch of Justin Herbert prints that he will have signed by the man himself. Again, use the code GAC for 10% off at thebackroomcollection.net. Thank you so much for supporting him and our show. That being said, let's get to it. hey guys welcome inside the guiltiest charge podcast presented by the blue R podcast network my name is Stephen and I am your host and for today I am joined uh happy to be joined I should say by Mr Brian Batko who covers the Steelers for the post Gazette sports stationed in Pittsburgh Brian thanks for taking the time to join me today how are you doing doing great thanks for having me Stephen a lot of
2: beard power on this podcast so I like it
1: yes it is that time of the year you know winter is is much easier when you when you have a beard so it's been fun it's much Um, easier when you're in LA
2: too don't
1: get me wrong (laughs) very true California you know it was I don't know if you saw this it was 90 degrees for the Vikings game in LA last week so no I didn't I didn't realize that um
2: yeah it's it's actually a
1: pretty nice day here in Pittsburgh we're up into like the mid-60s so
2: that is like a balmy day
1: in in mid-November here (laughs) there we go I, I like it so uh whenever i have uh you know our, our guests on i always like to talk about the quarterback position first obviously it is the most important position on the field um so can you update our listeners on the status of big ben as we head into the week obviously mike tomlin said that they are preparing for mason rudolph to start but what's the latest with big ben's uh covet status as we headed through the week
2: so the absolute latest, um,
1: normally we talk
2: to Ben every Wednesday morning around nine am our time or ten am our time. Um, you know, the reason I'm in my car now is because they canceled that this week, obviously. he's he's not at the facility. He's not gonna be uh, doing a media scrum with us. He's participating virtually in the meetings. Um, so they're gonna practice here in about a half hour or so. They're gonna you know give Mason Rudolph the bulk of the first team reps, if not all of them. I think he's firmly ahead of Dwayne Haskins in terms of the number two, uh, which means if yeah Ben if Ben has to miss again if he continues to be symptomatic if he doesn't get those two negative tests which he was tested Tuesday so he might have already gotten one we don't know uh, if he's out again it's it's going to be the Mason Rudolph show for better or
1: worse yeah unfortunately for this one you know it, it seems like that we're heading for these teams not being a top tier shape we'll obviously get into uh, a little bit of the injuries and stuff like that but. Um, I'm curious to get your thoughts on, you know, what the, the plan is going to be for Mason Rudolph, because it seemed, you know, from an outsider's perspective that they didn't really change a whole lot this week for Mason. Can we expect them to be a little bit more vertically inclined this week since, uh, it's going to be Mason Rudolph show, as opposed to, you know, big Ben and his, uh, you know, superior age, shall we say? <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, at this point, though, I mean, you watch some of the balls that that Rudolph threw against the Lions, and I don't know that he has better arm talent, even compared to late stage 39-year-old Ben. I mean, Mike Tomlin saying that they didn't change the game plan at all when they got that late news on Saturday that Ben was going to be out. I don't know if that was truth or more of just, I'm not going to throw our backup under the bus here and say, yeah, all of a sudden. We had to change everything we want to do. I mean, it didn't look like they changed it much. A lot of the complaints here in Western Pennsylvania are that uh, they they threw it way too often against Detroit, a team that doesn't have a very good run defense in bad, cold, rainy weather uh, with a guy who hadn't played since the preseason. So I I get all of that. Um, I still don't know that you want to fling the ball around too much if Rudolph is in there. Najee Harris has been this offense's best player, uh, hands down, regardless of position as a rookie first-round pick, um, but when other teams know you want to run the ball a lot, they'll gear up to stop that, so it's a uh, it's delicate balance the Steelers have to find, and they're working to do that, whether it's Rudolph in there or Ben Roethlisberger, so it's, it's, it can only help Rudolph that he's going to get, you know, the scheme built around him this week, but we could see Ben come in with the Superman cape on, uh, on Friday for practice or even without practicing at all this week and suiting up on Sunday still.
1: Yeah, we've certainly seen that pattern emerge throughout Big Ben's career where he doesn't practice and then he still plays, looks great. So um, obviously something to keep an eye on there. You mentioned uh, Najee Harris. The other rookie uh, that the Steelers have right now is obviously Pat Friermuth, who is, having, is also having a really good season. Um, who else is kind of standing out among the skill player positions? You know, I know Juju is hurt right now. Um, so what can Chargers fans expect in this one from the other skill players in this one?
2: I think it's, it should be a lot of quick, simple throws to Deontay Johnson and let him get a chance for some yak. I mean, that was their best offense last year when he led the team targets was seventh in the NFL. He's not the biggest guy, not the fastest straight line, but uh, really good getting off the line of scrimmage in and out of his breaks. I mean, he's he's always open if you want him to be. Uh, he only has one 100-yard game this year, and he hasn't scored since week five, but uh, if Chase Claypool is, you know, not 100%. Remember, he missed last week with a toe injury. Even if he's back, you know, are you going to get the traditional deep threat that he normally is? I don't know. So beyond that, uh, I, I think peppering Deontay Johnson with a lot of targets and uh, maybe letting him, you know, kind of throw short and run long, that could be, uh, you know, a stream for the Steelers to to find some success because. The receiver room went from a strength in the preseason with those three guys, Juju, Johnson, and Claypool, to a question mark all of a sudden. James Washington yeah. hasn't done a lot. Uh, Ray Ray McLeod is kind of, you know, he's just a returner for the most part, and yet he was you know, one of their, their key cogs last week. So there's not a ton to worry about. It's it's not your, your dad's Steelers in that sense with all sort of weapons on offense. Uh, they're, they're searching a little bit for somebody, uh, you know, to run this offense through when it's not Najee Harris.
1: Yeah, obviously, I knew, you know, Juju was down and Claypool was down. But I, I was shocked last week to see that Ray uh, Ray McLeod had 12 targets, or I think it might have been 13. But yeah, that was a I, mean, hey, me.
2: I, I give him a little bit of credit. Like, I thought he was basically useless as a pass catcher, to be honest. <laughs> and, you know, he it's not like he was dynamic against the Lions, but at least he was reliable. Yeah. You know, he caught the ball and, and even converted, you know, moved the six a couple times. So that's that's better than nothing, which is what a lot of people thought they were getting out of McLeod uh, offensively
1: before that one. Well, that's uh something to keep an eye on for sure. Obviously, the uh the Steelers surprised a lot of people when they didn't go with the offensive line early. That kind of seemed like the you know, the perceived right path for them. You know, they they bring in Trey Turner and for the most part it's a bunch of young guys up front outside of Turner. So, how has that unit been gelling i know obviously people are going to be interested in this one because turner played on the chargers last year and was not very good um so how has turner looked for the steelers and and how has that unit really begun to gel over the last few weeks not only that but matt filer is has gone from pittsburgh to la um so that's you know
2: a little bit of a swap there turner for Filer. i think the chargers probably got the better of that one you know turner hasn't been horrible but uh he has allowed a sack here and there and this whole group has been really up and down inconsistent and in the run game. Not only are the young guys, like you pointed out, Steven, but none of them are highly high pedigree guys, you know, the, yeah. the highest draft pick. there's three third rounders in this group, including mm. Trey Turner. Then there's a couple fourth rounders. There's two rookies at center and left tackle. I would say, for my money, the two most important positions on any offensive line. So yeah. even when they take two steps forward, they take one step back. You kind of saw that. The last couple weeks, um, you know, the pass protection was always a strength of the group uh, previously when they were a veteran laden unit with David DeCastro, Marquise Pouncey, Alville, and Aueva, Even Matt Filer's in that category. Uh, I think the team's maybe gotten a little bit nastier with the youth and um, athleticism, but uh, they're not quite as reliable protecting the passer. And uh, that's why you've seen Big Ben get hit uh, a little too often for his liking so far this season.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely have seen that as well. Um, I want to shift gears and talk about the defense because obviously, you know, TJ Watt's health is is a big, you know, question mark in this one. Ian Rappaport said that he was going to miss a few weeks. Adam Schefter said that's not necessarily confirmed yet. Uh, have you guys gotten an update on TJ Watt? And if he does miss this matchup, what can we expect from uh, the other edge rushers on this one? We got a Mike Tomlin version of an update on T.J. Watt, which is we'll leave the light
2: on for him. So, okay. uh, yeah, that doesn't shed a whole lot of, uh, of light, no pun intended, on that situation. <laughs> I mean, part of Tomlin's point, though, was T.J. Watt is a guy that he, he can take zero practice reps throughout the week, and they won't hesitate to put him out there on Sunday night if he's if he's feeling okay with those hip and knee injuries. I think you still want to be safe with him. That's what they did earlier this season when he missed one game because of a groin injury. He returned the following week. I don't think he was 100%. He was kind of gritting through it. So you got to be careful with your $110 million plus investment here, as they will be with Watt. Problem is, beyond him, not a lot. I mean, Alex Highsmith, the second-year guy, third-rounder, he's been elevated to a starter this year after the loss of Bud Dupree. He's been okay at times and, you know, inconsistent at times, which is what you would expect uh, from a a second-year guy, especially one who was a comp pick in the third round. Then there's Taco Charlton, you know, a former first-rounder himself. We haven't been exposed to him a ton. He's flashed a little bit here and there, but someone that uh, is going to be a huge drop-off, obviously, from T.J. Watt and even Melvin Ingram, who, remember, was here. Until the trade deadline, they they would love to have him back right now. And maybe even he would like to be back, but he wasn't playing as much as he wanted. So uh, it's it's getting thin at outside linebacker for the Steelers, and it'll be uh, perilously thin if if Watt can't go in this one.
1: Yeah, you mentioned Melvin Ingram. I think a lot of people obviously had this game circled in the preseason because of Melvin's return to Los Angeles. Maybe Um, he just
2: wanted to avoid the Chargers.
1: Yeah, so Although I guess I mean, that won't he, work
2: because he's gonna have to—he's gonna have to see them.
1: Yeah, he—he he just delayed the return for a few weeks, but <laughs> right? Yeah, it's been fun. Um, you know, you mentioned Matt Filer. I think Chargers fans, and you know, myself included, have been incredibly happy with that addition. Um, the right guard spot has not been great. You know, our starter uh, is injured right now, so we're playing Michael Schofield. Um, and you know, the Steelers have who I think is one of the most underrated defensive players in the league and Cam Hayward uh, in the interior. So what can what are you expecting from Cam versus his old teammate, Matt Filer and potentially Michael Schofield in this matchup? Cam has just been so dominant
2: this year. I mean, if you go back and watch the film, especially I noticed that the other night against uh, the Lions, who were trying to run the ball so much. I mean, the double teams are just coming at him <laughs> in waves. He deals with that every week. He still finds a way yeah. to get penetration up front because he's just one of the strongest players in the league, and he has one of the best bull rushes in the league. But it's also his hustle. I mean, you'll notice it when you watch Austin Eckler try to get to the second level. I mean, he chases down both carriers even at – you know, six, five, 300 some pounds. So he, yeah. he's 32, but I, I think he's having his best season in the league and it, it is going to be fun to watch him match up with Matt Filer, a guy who was, you know, they called him anchor when he was here in Pittsburgh because he was just so steady and, you know, his pass sets were really reliable. It seemed like the, the weird thing with Filer here at the end was, you know, he originally was playing right tackle and did a great job stepping in there. Then they moved him to guard in 2020 and it seemed like his play fell off a little bit, dealt with injuries here and there. And, you know, I don't think many people were second guessing it when the Steelers let him walk in free agency for 7 million a year, but uh, he'd probably be their best lineman right now to be completely honest, whether he was a guard or tackle. So uh, I always thought he was a, you know, a good presence in that locker room. Doesn't say much, a man of very few words, but pretty good football player and a cool story being undrafted coming from a a Division two PSEC school, as they call it here in, in Pennsylvania, but over on the eastern side of the state.
1: Yeah, and you want to talk about a good beard. Matt Feiler has a fantastic <laughs> beard. <laughs> yeah, he also lived right
2: near me. Uh, I would drive, no like when I would drive to work, yeah, like, I would sometimes see him in his driveway. Uh, I never approached because he's a little bit of an intimidating uh, presence, but he was always <laughs> yeah. nice enough when we would uh, go and talk to him in the locker room.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, the, the Chargers, have, I mentioned the right guard, injury and they've had an injury right tackle as well with brian bulaga and a lot of us kind of expected you know when blogger went down that filer would kind of kick back out there but um they've kept him at left guard next to rashawn slater and and Corey lindsley and it's just been you know it's been incredible to watch them work you can really tell that uh filer and slater in particular have you know a really good thing going over there so we've been very happy with that addition for sure and lindsley was the best free agent center on the market this
2: year you could You know, second guess and say the Steelers should have gone out and spent on him to replace Marquise Pouncey. They went a different direction. Third-round rookie Kendrick Green has showed promise at times, but he struggled at times. He had that snap uh, over the head of Mason Rudolph in overtime Sunday, which might have been the uh, goofiest of a lot of goofy plays in that
1: 16-16 tie. Yeah, that was uh, was a bizarre one for sure. But, uh, yes, we're very happy with Lindsay. You know, the offensive line has been, you know, very much improved so far. I want to wrap up our you know position by position breakdown. Talking about the secondary of the Steelers, um, again injuries, COVID really kind of determining this one. Uh, what can you update us about Minka Fitzpatrick and Joe Hayden, arguably arguably their two best players in that unit?
2: Yeah, it, clearly they're two best. I think it's not even arguable. I mean, you've got a two time All Pro free safety who, both of them kind of changed the complexion of the Steelers secondary. When they were acquired uh, a few years apart, but yeah. Mike Tomlin was was pretty down on Minka Fitzpatrick's status. He, he all but rolled him out when we talked to him yesterday, which mm. uh, is kind of unusual. With a uh, you know, from what I hear, Minka is vaccinated, so that would give him, unlike Joey Bosa, a little bit better chance to return by Sunday yeah. night. And yet, uh, it sounds like the Steelers are uh, are not expecting to have him for whatever reason. So. It's also his birthday today, too, on Wednesday, which is uh, – oh, you don't want to have COVID on your birthday, but what, what yeah. are you going to do? Um, so the, he's going to be a huge loss. They, he hasn't missed the game since the Steelers traded for him in early 2019. He's always been back there in the deep center field portion of the defense, and I don't know who they're going to replace him with. Maybe Trey Norwood, uh, a seventh-round pick this hmm. year, who's been kind of a Swiss Army. He's played a little bit more slot corner than he has deep safety. And occasionally when he does rotate there, you know, Mink is still in the game anyway and just kind of up in the box. So he's an option. Carl Joseph, former Raider, first-round pick. He's an option. He's on the practice squad, though. Uh, he's only played like two defensive snaps all year one game when they called him up. So I yeah. guess, you know, you, you maybe feel a little bit better plugging a veteran there. But uh, it's it's going to be tough for them to to adjust their defense on the fly without someone who's been uh, lacking in the takeaway department this year, but you know uh, someone that you still feel really good about flying all around the field and Joe Hayden, he seemed a little bit maybe more optimistic in in terms of injuries, but a midfoot sprain that could go either way. It's going to depend how much practice he can get in this week. James Pierre would take his place. he was undrafted last year. he's more of a long rangey corner uh, but he is susceptible to getting beat deep here and there. so uh, if he's on Mike Williams a lot, that could be something to keep an eye on
1: yeah absolutely you know the I uh, you know it, it's funny obviously fans are like oh like so-and-so is gonna be out like that's a big advantage and it's like i always like to see these teams come in and be healthy and be 100 percent, especially on sunday night football you want to see the best of the best go at it you know we had the the duck hodges game on sunday night football a few years ago and it's like it was fun I mean, in its course, own right yeah right <laughs> yeah. but <laughs> not for us <laughs> right well yes yeah, so it was a fun
2: story around here for sure yeah. the fact that he uh and then you know he ended up getting uh more starts later in the season which yeah. weren't as fun but uh but that night was pretty crazy and, and i guess it was still san diego at that
1: point right uh, i was carson or no it was yes. la yeah yeah it was carson so that was the the soccer stadium unfortunately yeah, um right. so well it wasn't so far yeah yeah not so far yet um so far is incredible are you going to the game by chance are you guys coming out uh
2: no I'm gonna stay home for this one but uh you know hopefully to get out there maybe for the Super Bowl who knows (laughs) not saying that necessarily (laughs) the Steelers will be in it but uh if I get a chance to go out to to LA to cover it that would be cool
1: yeah well Brian this has been great man I want to get your final thoughts here on just kind of the how you view the Steelers you know like holistically in the AFC obviously I always no one knows right but like Uh what do you make of the Steelers right now and their current standing in, in this conference and potentially uh, winning that division or what do you make of them overall?
2: They're such a difficult team to forecast. I, I guess that's <laughs> not unique right now in 2021 yeah. with a, any single team in the NFL, let alone the AFC or even the playoff contender teams in the AFC. But I mean, just look I at mean, the start 11 and 0 last year. I don't think anybody saw that coming and I don't think anybody thought they were really that good. And, and it turned out that they weren't, I mean, they won the AFC North, but, Uh, It was almost a pyrrhic victory with the way they they slid at the end. So I think they're just kind of in that second tier of jumbled up teams that, you know, best case scenario, they get in the playoffs and maybe win a game that they shouldn't knock off somebody and make some noise. But I I don't think that Ben Roethlisberger is still playing at a high enough level for them to win it all. For the longest time, it was the exact opposite. It was hold all around the roster and you said to yourself, as long as they have been they still have a shot at hoist in the Lombardi trophy. Uh, I don't think that's the case anymore. And yet, you know, it seems like whoever stays the healthiest by the end of it might have a shot at this thing. So uh, I don't think they're on the bills Titans level. I still think the chiefs are going to find that maybe I'm just a prisoner of the moment, but uh, I don't think they're there. I think they're more bunched up with uh, the, the Patriots and, and the chargers and the Raiders in that next tier. And, I still think yeah. talent-wise, the Ravens are the best overall team in the AFC North, but uh, you know, it's always a good game when those two teams play, so they still have to face each other twice. Steelers have to mm-hmm. face the Browns and Bengals one more time each, and we'll see how things shake out in what is uh, you know, one of the best divisions in football, uh, if not the best.
1: Yeah, absolutely going to be a, a wild ride down the stretch for uh, both of these teams. Brian, can't thank you enough for your time today. Where can Chargers fans find your work if they want to get some uh, Steelers intel ahead of Sunday Night Football?
2: So it's uh, www.post-gazette.com. You can find the Steelers page pretty easily under sports there. Uh, We also have a podcast that goes up every Friday, like morning, late morning, maybe early afternoon, uh, previewing that week's game and just kind of talking Steelers, uh, me and my beat partner, Ray Fittipaldo. So definitely check that out. Sometime between Friday and Sunday night, uh, it's usually only like 25 minutes. So it's a pretty breezy, easy listen. And I'm on Twitter at just my name, B-R-I-A-N-B-A-T-K-O, Brian Batko. Thank you.
1: Yeah, man. Thank you. Can't thank you enough.
2: Yep. Have a good one.